0: The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgononi and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, we're back, the crew's back, it's Tuesday, October 10th, Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle and I am joined, as always, by Matthew, public enemy number one bets.
1: Yeah, we're not friends this week, Kyle. No. Just, just so you know, and just so everyone knows. Uh, yeah, we are in the middle of a, what feels like deja vu, a playoff baseball matchup, your Braves. My Phillies now. Last I hate year, your team. Yeah, we can't be friends ever again. Last year, uh, Kyle, if you remember on the show, we talked a lot about this. We made a wager. You didn't pay it out, um, but hey, we're back for round two. Braves and Phillies. Now, I will say, I'm a broken man after last night. If we're recording this on Tuesday morning, <laughs> after the uh, the text string that you and I had back and forth with my Phillies up for nothing, I felt pretty good. But I kept saying, "Man, Braves can tie this thing up with one swing of the bat." What do you know? Home run. And it's all over from there as they go on. So headed to Philly for game three. It should be fun, man.
0: Not a baseball podcast,
1: but, but there is a be. point of the year. Yeah, baseball.
0: it is pretty great that October, if you don't like baseball, playoff baseball is a different animal. Jason even says that who's notoriously against baseball, but October baseball is great. It just happens to be our two teams. We just happen to have, I don't know, one of the greatest postseason comebacks of all time. And a great end of the game. My brother was there. I mean, Atlanta is rocking. Because let me just tell you this, Bets. I was a defeated man. I was a very <laughs> defeated man earlier in the day. Yeah.
1: I mean, after the start, I can't blame you. Um, you think that was one of the best playoff comebacks of all time? That I mean, that's, buddy, chill.
0: <laughs> of all time? <laughs> Dude, we didn't hit the ball out of the infield for the first, like, six innings.
1: Okay, but of all time, it was only four runs, dude.
0: (laughs) No, I'm saying from... Is it one of the best? Put in the top 10. Put in the top 15.
1: Act like you've been there before, man.
0: (laughs) Biased. (laughs) Very biased right here. So you might get us being a little bit, I don't know, testy towards each other. I also came back from the beach, just so I'm alive, with, uh, with a little bit of a sinus infection. I mean, that's what happens... You get sick. You, you you had a whole week. So a uh, little bit nasally Kyle here. Also, Betts is going to get to share a little bit about cash lineups, how that went, and then we'll preview this next week. So we're glad you're with us. We're glad you're hanging out with us. Let's talk about how it went for you this past week. Straight cash, homie. I am going to let you take the wheel because I I said it on the podcast. And then I actually followed through that I did not play DFS cash this past week because I was driving back. There's just no way that I could have given it its its attention. So go for it.
1: Yeah, dude, Uh, I actually wasn't really planning to play too much either. As many people know, I was driving to and from New Hampshire, which is an eight hour trip. We got a hotel halfway both nights that we did it. So and I did all the drive, all 16 hours was me. So I was just spent and exhausted. But we ended up uh, having a little break in the day on Saturday when I was there, and it was like terrible weather. So I was like, I've got, I've got an hour. Like, I'll just kind of sit down, and look at projections, whatever. I did end up playing cash, not my usual uh, bankroll, but did play a little bit. Um, I thought it was one of those slates that kind of opened up somewhat cleanly, especially when you had the cheap guys like Wandell Robinson at 3K. Jason and I talked about that. Um, Khalif Raymond opened up as a play at 3.3K. With the Amon Ross St. Brown injury, he ended up not playing. So he was in play, and those cheap options allowed you to get up to whoever you wanted, right? Basically, it was like, pick your flavor of uh, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Thought they were all awesome plays. It did kind of feel like one of those slates where I'm never a fan of saying you lost because of bad luck, but there are slates where that happens. And I feel like if you play Justin Jefferson, like that's totally fine. Can you predict a down game with a hamstring injury? Not really in the best game environment on the slate. So that kind of felt unlucky. Same was true if you played, you know, Anthony Richardson, who Jason and I, we we agreed we liked him for the savings over Mahomes, but leaves with the shoulder injury, right? And you can't really predict that kind of stuff. So it did kind of feel like an unlucky week if you landed on those two guys. I will say there was one running back play that I felt like if you didn't have probably a good time to kind of reconsider like cash process. And that was David Montgomery, who, yes. you know, with the Amon Ross St. Brown injury as a home favorite, I think the, the line closed at like nine and a half points or something like that against Carolina, who you can really run on. They're at home, massive team total. You have that injury, and then Jameer Gibbs pops up on the Friday practice report with the hamstring issue, doesn't play. With Jameer Gibbs in the lineup, his touch counts were, you know, like 13 in the game he left early, 17, 34. So it was so easy to say, look, this is probably going to be coming around 20-ish touches. And he was not expensive enough for that type of role in the game environment. And look, he was, you know, he was rostered. He was like 75 to 80% in these double-ups. But that's a fifth of the field not playing the best running back play on the slate. So that's kind of a a mistake, I think, if you didn't have him. Um, The other thing, too, is just the Jamar Chase thing, right? It's so easy for us to be short-sighted in players, in your takes, and stuff like that. And people said, I'm not playing Jamar Chase. He burnt me two weeks in a row. The Bengals are broken, you know, whatever. But no T. Higgins. I mean, they have guys out there that don't really earn targets. It's the Cardinals. I feel like it's one of those things that sometimes we need to put our bias aside and remember that. And that's not just for Jamar Chase. That's true of anyone in DFS, right? If you're too short-sighted, you will miss out on these explosion games. So I did land on Chase. I felt fortunate about that. Um, But yeah, it was a high-scoring week, I thought. Definitely an interesting slate.
0: Yeah, one of my takeaways from reading through the Discord, looking at your lineup, is one, you got to fit in a ton of studs in your cash lineup, which is, I mean, the fact that you're able to get Mahomes, Tyreek, and Jamar Chase, and then still have two of the top running back plays. I mean, we talked about Montgomery last Tuesday, right? Like, it was just like, oh, this is going to be a chalk week. So some of those plays seem really, really clear. And then, yeah, I love the fact that Chase and Burrow ended up being in a lot of winning tournament lineups just because people had the emotional thing of I just don't want to play them again that's the whole point of DFS it's just like you throw that aside who cares you can reset the next week but the pricing the opportunity the matchup everything said that they were a really good place so I'm a little sad that I missed out on this uh this slate but the one that we have this week is also interesting because I feel like there are fewer and fewer good plays I mean we have injuries we'll talk about in just a second too that's affecting a ton of the different markets. So uh, stay with us. Betts, you get to put out the best plays despite a busy weekend. So props to you, my friend. But I did want to highlight a certain person that uh, did pretty well. Money, 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 money. So you cashed, and Big Shimmy came on the show. He was actually doing a three show day that day. So he was just really pulling weight for the team while I was out. And The cash lineup that Jason, he configured after you guys recorded, he used it on the Fantasy Faceoff, our our segment on Friday's show, and he played that lineup, and that lineup hit 212 points.
1: Yeah, his lineup was unreal, and he probably would have taken down these contests that he entered, and he did it all without a quarterback. He played Anthony Richardson, uh, he just played him naked. And I think he put up like, what, four or five points before he left with injury. And he still was finishing like the top 10% of all these contests. So he probably would have taken it down if he got 15 uh, points from a quarterback, which was crazy. But yeah, a lot of it was the stuff we talked about. Montgomery, uh, Chase. We were big into Bijan last week. I don't know if you heard that discussion, Kyle, but he definitely failed despite an awesome behind the back catch and crossover move to get into the end zone. Yes. Um, And I was shocked too on Adam Thielen's roster percentage. He came in in some of these contests. Jason played around eight to nine percent and I think that's partly because you know and, and this is a good reminder to myself too but sometimes we talk about these guys early in the week and then things change with pricing and everyone went with a stars and scrubs build you know you play Wandale you play Cleef uh, Raymond you play Rashi Rice who was 3600 and then you just jam in the studs but Jason kind of went with more of a balanced approach a balanced build he had Brees Hall he had Dallas Goddard to get up a little bit in pricing on a tight end he had Adam Thielen and he didn't really have the Tyreek, Justin Jefferson types. So I'm not saying that's good or bad, right or wrong. But just remember, like, one way you can get leverage on the field, which Jason did, is flip the build a little bit and go more balanced if everyone else is doing stars and scrubs. Or if there's another week where everyone's going balanced, think about maybe that different approach of stars and scrubs. So changing your roster construction will get you on to different plays. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. But it is one thing to point out. If you do want to get different, that is a way to do it. And Jason did that.
0: Yeah, especially if you're in a single entry, which is a lot of what Jason was playing. He sent us some screenshots and it's awesome to see that the cash builds, which is what I think Jason's best at. When I was in Arizona, every single week we would kind of look at his builds and talk about them and basically how to beat, you know, <laughs> how to beat Andy and Mike. That was our goal. But I think Jason is a is cash minded in how he plays. So, I'm glad that his advice did well for him and I think a lot of other people I saw uh, in our Discord channel. So if you want to get access to our Discord channel, if you want to, you know, tweak some things this morning, I posted a spreadsheet, just a little peek behind the curtain of, hey, here's how I come up with wide receiver values, you know, some players that can be in your cash pool. You can get that, dfspass.com. If you want to be a part of that, use the promo code DFSPOD. You have all of our picks. We, we would say it pays for itself in just a week, especially if you're doing single entry or double up. So to go to dfspass.com. <laughs> State of the main slate. Each week, Betts and I, we refer to the lines at DraftKings Sportsbook, DraftKingsSportsbook.com. You can check in. Uh, We're going to check in, actually, a little different this week. Okay, usually Betts and I talk about what happened last week, but because it was a busy week for us, because I was on the road, we thought it might be helpful for people to discuss some of the awards markets. You know, we're going to talk about MVP, you know, Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, all those things. And I just want to first get off my chest. The thing I hate most about sports MVP markets is it's all about timing, which is well, kind of what we're going to discuss. But like last year, if I'm honest, Jalen Hurts should have won MVP because of what his body worked. He just happened to get injured at a part of the season where he wasn't playing, you know, weeks what, 16 and 17? So if that would have happened in weeks one and two, then and Jalen Hurts would have finished the way he did, I think he would have been the MVP. So it's about the timing of the season, if there's injury, if there's lulls, if there's better, you know, schedules, and that's kind of how we approach it. So why don't you give an overview of MVP and where it's at?
1: Yes, there is a lot of familiar names at the top. So currently, these are on uh, DK on DraftKings Sportsbook. Mahomes is the betting favorite at, at plus 450. Tua right behind him at plus 475. Then we have a trio of Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy at plus uh, 700 and that really is kind of i think right now where the discussion probably ends for like guys you can even bet because christian mccaffrey is next in line we know the running backs typically don't win uh lamar and the ravens have kind of had a rough go of it recently trevor lawrence is not really putting up numbers that you need for an mvp type season so i don't have a lot of interest in the values here personally kyle but one thing that's interesting and you mentioned kind of the timing you can use the nfl schedule as a way to maybe predict some line movement here, because it is so sensitive week to week, you know, month to month, like Brock Purdy before uh, Sunday Night Football was plus 1600 comes out for touchdown performance, they dominate Dallas, all the way up to plus 700. So if you can predict some of these big games or like big key spots, especially on national island games, where these guys will perform well, you can get big time movement here. So that's kind of the top of the board. Um, I also want to point out too, we need to remind ourselves, this is a quarterback award. So I'm not betting Christian McCaffrey. Um, You probably need to get a number one seed in your uh, conference. You need to probably win your division. You need to win 11 plus games. So things are, you know, lining up for those teams to do that with the guys that are here. There's also a massive correlation to EPA per play for quarterbacks. I'm going to list you the top names in EPA per play. Brock Purdy, Josh Allen, Tua, Patrick Mahomes. Those are the betting favorites. So it all lines up. It makes sense. Do you see any value on any of these guys here at the top?
0: I think Hertz is a value relative to just their team's record and his total touchdown numbers. So he's on pace for 4,300 passing yards, which would be a career high. So I think the raw numbers, we've kind of always thought of Hertz as like, oh, it's low volume. Like the passing volumes up this year and the rushing numbers are still there. He just hadn't The first couple weeks put it all together in the same game. We saw that this past week. So I think Hertz is interesting. I just want to throw out there just because I'm a sucker, but Justin Herbert is way down there at 2,500 and they do have a Monday night game where his totals are totally fine. I think it's really tough aside from a Mahomes injury for him to leapfrog in that division, but it is a value I would say on the board. So I, I like Hertz and Hertz is one that I'd be willing to place right now.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, the other thing too, is that this MVP race, I think will be decided by a couple of really key matchups. Like there are games where, you know, the Eagles are playing like the bills and, you know, there's matchups with, um, high profile teams that are all of quarterbacks that are in this race. So like there's a handful of matchups coming up that I think will decide that we know it's strongly correlated to wins. I just want to point out of these teams, the chiefs, uh, the dolphins, Eagles, you know, bills and and niners. The Chiefs, I think, have the easiest schedule. So when you're looking at just stacking up wins, getting to 10 wins, getting to 11, I really do think it could, it could be Mahomes this year just because of that. I mean, they got Denver. They're 10.5-point favorites this week. They should obviously win that. They actually get Denver twice. they got Green Bay. They've got the Raiders twice, um, the Patriots who are circling the drain. So I... I mean, it's a square play, obviously, but I think I think Mahomes is, is probably worthy of it. If you think that this line continues to move, if in two or three weeks he gets to plus 300, then plus 250, I think it makes sense. And you can bet multiple of these. Remember, you can bet a little on Hertz. You can bet a little on Mahomes. You can bet a little on, on Herbert and kind of build that portfolio out. But I still think Mahomes is probably the best bet right now. I don't hate the Hertz take uh, that you had, obviously.
0: Yeah, the way that I usually approach MVP is before the season, I sprinkle a little bit on long shots, you know, like, you know, 20 to one or something like that. And then halfway through, the market starts to shore up, but they haven't really gone towards a favor. Like right now, like you mentioned, like Mahomes and Tua are kind of like back to back, and it's like that could easily change. Mahomes has a Thursday night game on primetime TV, Tua has a game where they're a two touchdown favorite this week. So, Those could change in the market. So sprinkle a little bit. And then my favorite time to bet the MVP market is about three quarters of the way through because it should be a lock. It really should be. And in the years past, it has been. But what's happened is things have flipped where last year Hertz was the overwhelming favorite. And then Mahomes is just sitting there as a pretty good value three-fourths of the way through. I sprinkled a little bit on that just to say, hey, what could happen? He's the best player in the game. Hertz goes down. So it's not always going to work out that way, but a couple of years ago, I did the same thing with Rodgers and Brady, where Brady was the overwhelming favorite. Rodgers went on bye and then went on a tear over the last month and a half of the season. So you can do that if you want. Um, let's move to Offensive Player of the Year, which is not a quarterback award, right?
1: Historically, it hasn't been, especially recently. Uh, you know, we had the Justin Jefferson winner last year, which was a lot of fun. Sadly, he is uh, going to miss some time here with the hamstring injury so he is way down in pricing this week or on you know this sort of um of market but yeah it's been a lot of wide receivers a couple running backs uh quarterbacks can win the award but because quarterback is almost always just locked in for mvp it's kind of hard for i feel like voters to double dip in this uh this award so i usually shy away from quarterback um at the top cmc makes a ton of sense you've got tyree kill who's crushing every every week. Um Jamar Chase is is 15 to 1. Uh Diggs 20 to 1 is interesting. And then you know, you can drop down further. There's high profile guys like Pollard, Amon-Ra, CD Lamb, but the stats just haven't been there enough to justify I think yet betting on those guys. I do think Diggs is kind of a relative value. Um he's also uh, 25 to 1 on MGM if you want to get a better price, but very quietly, like stefan Diggs is crushing this year on pace for almost 1,800 yards, 17 receiving touchdowns. And if the Bills continue to win games, if Josh Allen continues to play at an MVP level, I mean, it's Stephon Diggs, right? Like Gabe Davis is having a really nice bounce back year, but behind those two guys, it's Dawson Knox, you know, and Dalton Kincaid for competition. So I think Stephon Diggs is certainly pushing for 100 catches this year. 1,500 yards seems very doable. If he gets 15 plus touchdowns and the Bills lock up a top two, top three seed, I think there's value there. So he's probably my favorite value bet on the board at 25 to one on MGM.
0: Yeah, it's tough for me because the quarterbacks, I want to be able to go in because they are values. But like you mentioned, historically, it's not. I like Jamar Chase yes. at 15 to one. I just, I think we don't realize that he's on pace for over 200 targets. Like that's wild. If if you knew a wide receiver was in that, then man, yeah, yeah double digit touchdowns, we didn't think a week or two ago was going to be a thing. Now it's what he's on pace for. And maybe this offense just says, screw it. Let's just keep throwing the ball nonstop to the best player and the best wide receiver in the game. So it's kind of fun. It's a fun bet right now. 15 to one. The problem is the AFC North sometimes just has these slogs of a game that are just brutal where I want the back and forth affair. They, I mean, they still have that first place schedule. So, um, and some big games. So I think Chase is my is the fun one that I would place right now.
1: Yeah, I actually really like that one. I, I'm going to bet both these, I think, after we're done with the show. Um, Diggs and Chase. Jamar Chase opened as the preseason betting favorite for this award, which was, I think, on FanDuel at like 12 to 1 or something. So you're getting slightly of a better price here. But T Higgins could miss another week. Then they have their bye week. And then they come back. And, and if they go on a tear and Joe Burrow is actually healthy down the stretch, I mean, Jamar Chase obviously has a huge ceiling every week but i also think about kind of where they are in the standings right um they're two and three pittsburgh and baltimore leading the division they're tied at three and two but man pittsburgh do we have any confidence they can actually win that division with how they've played so far they're relying on you know play their so defense slow to, to, to stop teams with 14 points so and you can't win in the nfl that way so i think there's a chance they lead frog them very soon baltimore we loved in the preseason the offseason they've shown a ton of flaws Um, if you think Burrow gets healthy, if you think that happens and they explode, Chase is probably the reason why that their offense is surging. They have a ton of high profile games. Listen to the schedule. The Niners, the Bills on Sunday Night Football. They get a Thursday night game against the Ravens. They get Jacksonville in week 13 on Monday Night Football. They get Pittsburgh twice, two divisional games. People love tuning in for those. And they get Kansas City in week 17. So I think Jamar Chase is the best bet on the board. I'm with you. I will be betting that one today.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mentioned earlier, it's kind of about the momentum in these awards. Right. It's not how you started the year. It's how you finished. And so I think Christian McCaffrey is overpriced in this market. Um, Tyreek makes sense. Like, I think Tyreek should be the favorite based on if, if I were to give odds. But, um, yeah, we're looking at different little spurts, and I think this is the right, right little approach to it. All right, a couple more quick markets. Offensive Rookie of the Year was supposed to be a Bijan Award. Currently, CJ Stroud is the favorite, our boy, which, uh, man, feels really good for pounding the table for CJ Stroud over and over and over again. And he's he's looked great. But Bijan, chan's going to be down after this injury news. Jordan Addison's kind of a value right now, especially if we get a little month. But um, what is your take?
1: Yeah, I think Stroud deserves to be the favorite. If you do want to bet him, I would bet it on MGM. It's plus 150 over there as opposed to plus 130 on DraftKings. I mean, he's on pace for roughly 5,000 passing yards and 24 passing touchdowns. They're also, they can make the playoffs dude. I mean, they're two and three. The AFC South is not difficult. The Jags and Indy both three and two. So it's wide open. So I think he should be the favorite. I don't see a ton of value down the board. I think Jordan Addison, if you want to sprinkle, makes sense. He's twenty five to one. Um, I don't think you can go there on Anthony Richardson with the news of the shoulder. He's going to miss four plus games most likely. Um, Zay Flowers, you know, he hasn't really done much yet. And then Achan with the with the knee injury. We don't know what the severity is yet, but there's rumblings he could go on IR. So his price is going to get better if you want it later. So I don't think there's a lot of value right now. I think Addison is totally fine. But I want to get your thoughts on Puka because you know if if Cooper Cup if he was out for the entire year. I mean, Puka would just smash, right? All year long, he's shown us that. But then Cooper Cup came back last week, and Puka picked up right where he left off. Still saw a 32% target share, uh, seven catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown against my Eagles. There's also a range of outcomes that I know we don't wish this upon anyone, but it's possible Cooper Cup aggravates the hamstring injury again this year. Like, that isn't the range of outcomes. They have a super favorable schedule for passing. The Cardinals twice, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Washington the Giants in our schedule adjusted metrics on the site uh, the Rams have the fourth easiest passing schedule coming up this year so I think Puka's is probably my favorite bet just considering the odds he's plus uh, 425 on DraftKings you can get it at plus 450 on
0: MGM yeah it's just the raw numbers that are going to be hard to ignore and obviously you have to take his pace stats and say okay it's a little different but because <laughs> right now he's on pace for 215 targets that's <laughs> That's not happening, but let's say he hits 160, which seems well within the range of outcomes for him to hit 150, 160. That's like best rookie season of all time. Like right there, Anquan Bolden, Garrett Wilson last year, in terms of just pure volume, that's going to be hard to ignore. So I think he's undervalued here. I think Bijan's fine for where he's at. You need some more like massive, like two tutty games. Um, I just want to shout out Sam Laporta. Because you never want to bet a tight end. But he he probably... I mean, I I think he has a better than 33% chance to put up the greatest rookie tight end season of all time. Which isn't a high bar. It's (laughs) not a high bar.
1: (laughs) True. Um, Yeah, he's crushing right now. Uh, Part of that, I think, is one that could swing one way or the other with how well they keep running the ball. Dave Montgomery's health and or Amon Ross St. Brown's health, which we're not sure about this week, but... Man, you give another week of no Amon Ra, uh, Jameer Gibbs, potentially limited or out again, and Sam Laporta should have another great game. So I think, yeah, I think if you do want to get ahead of line movement, you say, look, this probably comes in in a month at, you know, 20 to one instead of 35 to one where it is now. I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world.
0: The problem is fantasy. You can go, oh, he's the tight end one. But in, in scope of the NFL, you'd say this is a great rookie tight end, not like he's the best rookie. So right. that's kind of like where this is a little different. Yeah, it's a quickly, little quickly quickly go through comeback player of the year.
1: Yeah, DeMar Hamlin is still the betting favorite at -175. Um it's so tough because of the emotional aspect of what happened last year, but I think he's overvalued because he's not really a starter. He only played special teams. I think one game out of all the games they've had this year he was inactive for the other ones. So it's one of those tough, you know, narrative awards that the people that vote are going to probably have that oh my gosh, he came back from this serious situation and now he's actually playing again, which, I mean, is truly incredible. So I get it. But I feel like he can't lay juice right with, with him right now with what's going no. on. I don't think so. I would not be playing that. Uh, Tua is up there, which he came back from those concussions and is having an incredible season. I think Baker Mayfield is probably <laughs> worth a bet at um, 15 to 1.
0: If they make the playoffs, yeah. If they
1: make the playoffs. I mean, even if they win, you know, if they win nine games this year and they sneak in or um you know get a wild card or whatever like that's not the like it's it's very much geno smith of last year don't you think where everyone wrote this guy off he was kind of laughed out of the league traded two times in the last couple years i think that's probably worth it also mentioned too i don't think priest hall is the craziest bet right now he's 25 to 1 if tua starts to fall off you know if the bucks start losing and those guys lose value um Brees looked good last week. That was the softest matchup of all time against the Broncos. But if the Jets are going to make some noise this year, I don't think it's because of Zach Wilson's right arm. It's probably because they're winning it with their defense and Brees Hall going bonkers. So I don't think that's the craziest thing. I think my favorite though right now is Mayfield. Like I said at 15 to 1.
0: I don't mind Matthew Stafford. If they make the playoffs 17 to 1, he's on pace for almost 5,000 yards. The touchdown totals aren't there. Like he's only at on pace for 17 but if they make the playoffs and you have this story of puka and cooper cup and stafford stafford's just well liked in general they make the playoffs it's not crazy to think that but yes there's not many great long shots here it's kind of a market where you write a narrative and you uh you go there but let's take a quick break and we'll talk about this week All right, let's talk about week six, the lines. They're sitting in front of me, and they're not as pretty. There's no 50-point game on the main slate. Uh, The game of the week will be Dallas against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. That's going to be fun. But on our main slate, there's a London game also this week. Uh, We have two teams on by, Steelers, Packers. So this slate, from just my first glance, is there's a couple of strong teams but it's pretty flat across the board apart from like the Dolphins.
1: Right, yeah, especially when you look at the team totals, right? Because it's like the Dolphins at 31 and then it's a huge drop-off to like the Rams at 27.3, the Jags at 25.3, and then the Vikings and Bengals at 24.3. I'm interested to see. I think that Vikings total might drop a little bit with the Justin Jefferson news, so we'll see on that. But like you said, it's pretty flat. There's not a lot of separation, I don't think, especially when you look at the game environments as well. No one above fifty. The highest is 48.5 currently, so I think it's going to be, relatively speaking, somewhat of a low-scoring slate.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the teams, aside from the Dolphins, it's like, the Rams, they've given us cheap pass catchers all year, and now we have Cooper Cup. The Jaguars have been Jekyll and Hyde like the entire year, like, oh man, who is this team? They beat the Bills somehow. The Vikings lost Justin Jefferson. The Bengals, they got back on track, but a lot of people can't trust them, like, It's hard to trust teams on this slate apart from the Dolphins just to just smash and hit their team implied total. So what is your general thought about the games that people use to stack?
1: Yeah, I think the most popular is going to be, in my opinion, the Indy and Jacksonville game. And it's for one main reason, and that is Gardner Minshew, who is 5K projecting as a likely top two, top three roster percentage quarterback. And so whenever you have that situation situation, as a cheap quarterback in a decent matchup, um, you know, he's going to protect well. And then his guys will come up because of that. So the stacking partners in tournaments being Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, who's very cheap will probably elevate. And then on the other side of the ball for the Jags, we just saw Travis Etienne have a monster game. So he's kind of in the spotlight and you've also got Zay Jones dealing with yet another knee injury. And Calvin Ridley is in the kind of six K range of, of totally fine. I think for pricing, But we've seen whenever Zay Jones has been out, Christian Kirk has smashed, and Christian Kirk is a value in the low 5k range. So you have just value everywhere on the board. It's one of the highest totals. I mean, people I think are definitely going to go there for the value that this game has.
0: Yeah, I think that Miami or Rams onslaught stacks are going to be popular ways to build just to lean into a team implied total and say if you want to run it back with the Cardinal with the Rams or God forbid you want to run it back with somebody from the Panthers other than Adam Thielen. Um, You can go that route if you want, but just lean into good teams. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. Like lean into good teams. Dolphins are scoring 36 per game. It's obviously skewed by scoring 70, but being two touchdown home favorites is a good thing. So the onslaught stacks this week will be something we'll talk about on Friday's show. How do you approach that? How does it work with the pricing you can't jam in everyone. Is there a game that's sneaky to you on this slate?
1: Yeah, I wrote down Minnesota and Chicago. And obviously you might think, okay, like Justin Jefferson's out. That's going to take away from the game environment, which I do think it potentially could. But there's a lot of running back injuries currently going on for Chicago. So Khalil Herbert certainly going to miss this game with a high ankle sprain. You've got Roshan Johnson in concussion protocol. Their pass catching specialist slash special teams guy, Travis Homer, uh, left last week with a hamstring injury. So, like, it could be Devonta Foreman (laughs) currently as the lead running back here. So I just think to myself, okay, and and this assumes that the Bears will do something rational, which I don't want to assume. But you assume that means, hopefully, more design runs for Justin Fields. We've actually seen him perform very well as a passer, which I want to give him his credit because I feel like I was pretty hard on him, especially on our Dynasty show in the first two, three weeks. He's looked so mean. I was so mean. But he does look great as a passer over the last couple of weeks. They were soft matchups, but guess what? The Vikings are a decently soft matchup as well. So I think there's a lot of potential upside in Justin Fields this week. And then the other side, I think there's a lot of interesting bringbacks. Like Alexander Madison is going to be in a great spot. Good matchup. Jordan Addison is an interesting value play with Justin Jefferson. Look, KJ Osborne is gross, but you can throw him in probably low rostered. So there's a lot of ways that this gets there, I think. Um, I think this one is a sneaky, sneaky potential over game this week.
0: I'm not sure how sneaky Seattle at Cincinnati is, but it's a game I want to buy into that's in that 46 range, which we have a couple of games this week that sit and this is a study I did a while back, but games that are in the 46 to 49 range hit at a higher rate on the over than the 50 point games, which makes sense like it's higher, but these are the games that people usually look at and go, "Oh, well, the total's not as good as the, you know, Dolphins at 48 and a half or the Rams game which is at 48. Like, it's, it's right there. So I like the, this type of environment. There are so many different ways on the Seattle side that you can bring it back. If you want to do a Burrow Chase stack, figure out another cheap option on on the Bengals for, for a double stack, then Seattle, it's like DK. Is it Ken Walker? Is it Lockett? Do they ever involve JSN? Dear God, hey, please come, come, play this, man. out of the
1: bye week, dude. This is when it happens for rookies.
0: What are they doing? I I'm sidebar here. What are they doing with him?
1: I mean, dude, they gotta get Noah Fant involved. They've gotta get Will Disley involved. You gotta get those guys. I don't know, man. It's it's silly, but it's also kind of makes sense for Seattle. Like they always kind of slow play the rookies, so maybe we should have seen that coming, but I don't know, man.
0: They he has a route bush, as I think Jason's coined that before. It's like, hey, just kind of run around in the same little spot and we'll maybe throw you a screen. Little two That's yard what they're giving. His ADOTs was the worst in the league before the bye. That sucks. Anyway, um, which game do you want to be underweight on this week?
1: I wrote down Washington at Atlanta. Now, Desmond Ritter, Kyle, I took an under on him for props for his longest completion under 31 and a half yards. What does he do? Complete a 32-yard pass. So this is a personal thing. How dare you you take a
0: Falcons prop without me?
1: I know. I should have consulted you, the Falcons expert. But um, Desmond Ritter... Looked great last week. Like, truthfully, I don't know if that's sticky. I don't think that's sticky, actually. So I'm going to fade the Falcons here in this spot just for the game environment. Like, we know they want to run the ball. Atlanta games are 4-1 and to the under. The Falcons haven't hit their team implied total since week two. So you have (laughs) that going on. You've got the Sam Howell extravagance on the other side. He's taking sacks left and right. And look, he's like fun and kind of frisky for DFS and for fantasy. But like real-life NFL, there's plenty of flaws in Washington. They also want to lean on Brian Robinson, run the ball. So just the game environment, I think, this week is kind of one that I'm off of.
0: Oh, I agree. Yeah, this game looks gross. Just need to throw in Desmond Ritter. She's never lost a game at home. And he has, I think he's played like five. But um, did look better. Did look better. I watched that game on the ride home. Like I had it up on uh, as I was driving, and I was just like, please let us win this game. Dude. I mean, Atlanta teams, man.
1: I, they'll, they'll give you a heart attack for sure. But, I mean... Ritter like actually looked like a good NFL quarterback. I don't understand how that's possible, but he did it.
0: They let him throw to the second level for once, and you saw Pitts have eleven targets. Like, they're actually like not just hey, here's the quick read, and it's a five yard out. It's like okay, let's do some stuff. So, and of course that Bijan play, whoo, behind the back. Um, I think the Saints at Texans is not an environment I want. All five Saints games have hit the under, and last week they scored 34 points. Yuck. Um, The pace should be pretty gross. The Saints are bottom five in first downs per play. I don't look at anything they did last week and say, I'm going to copy and paste that into this week. It was a weird game. The Patriots are terrible. I'm so glad you took their under early on in the year and said this team is not good. So uh, Saints and Texans, I could see it. Like, if you want to play Kamara and Cash... I get it, Nico Collins, but this isn't a game that I want to like fully game stack. Yep, I'm with you. All right, which team are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total? Last week, we said it was the Jets and the Colts, and they both hit.
1: Okay, so I'm going to be really crazy with this one, Kyle. Do it. The 49ers, you may have heard, are very good at the game of football. Um, they're taking on the Browns this week. The game environment looks yucky with the uncertainty on... Deshaun Watson's shoulder but I don't care the 49ers are scoring 22 or more points because that's what they do literally every game since Brock Purdy has taken over um if it is DTR the defense should dominate they should get tons of short fields I'm shocked that the total is this low and I get that it's probably because of the game environment as a whole and they you know that factors into the spread and everything but 22 points Uh, give me the over on San Francisco
0: yeah that feels low I mean, the matchup is at Cleveland. The total's low, man, 39. Is that a game where you can be confident in them hitting their team ply total, but you might not press into them for stacking purposes?
1: Yeah, I don't think you even can, right? Like, like either way. I mean, from a game theory standpoint, sure. But if Deshaun Watson's out there, is he 100%, I don't know. Um, it's a brutal run matchup for Drum. Imagine Ford. if it's DTR. I was going to say, if it's DTR, you certainly can't play the pass catchers with any confidence. So there's a reason they have a 17 uh, implied total for Cleveland. So yes, this is one where I think you could maybe play a one-off from San Francisco, like an IUK or obviously a CMC or, or whoever you want. But um, I think the Niners get 22 points. I don't want that game environment, though.
0: I like Seattle coming off the bye. Their team implied total right now is 21.8. They play at Cincinnati. And I mentioned earlier, that's just a game environment that I like a lot. After week one, which was a dud, and we were like, oh my gosh, is this team bad? Is Geno Smith bad? They've scored 37, 37, and 24 points. And one of those games was against the Lions. So I like Seattle a lot. Cincinnati's allowing 22 points per game, and they've only covered once this year. So Seattle's a team that I plan on leaning into this week, and I think that's a game that right now i take the over. Uh, It's at 46 right now.
1: Interesting. Let's move on to the unders. Kyle because I like yours um I'll start with the Broncos bad vibes dude I mean the vibes cannot be worse on a short week you know like 18 and a half points is doable but we all talk about the Chiefs and we talk about Mahomes and the offense and, and those things are warranted but like the Chiefs defense is quietly very good they're top 10 in almost every metric uh eighth in yards per play allowed eighth in first downs per game allowed fifth in defensive scoring seventh in EPA per play Denver goes on the road. It's a tough place to play. 10.5 point underdogs and four out of five opponents have gone under their team implied total against KC. So give me under 18.5 on the Russell Wilson led Broncos.
0: My note here is the Saints are turds. Despite winning 34 (laughs) to nothing this past week, they're 3 and 2. They could still win the division. All five of their games have hit the under. They've only covered once, and that was last week when they just blew the doors off. But they've only hit their team applied total once. It was last week. So take out last week and an anomaly game that that was. The Saints are not a team that I want to lean into. Their points scored so far this year 16, 20, 17, and nine. And now they go on the road. So uh, no thanks. Saints, not a team that I am interested in. Let's talk about our standouts Salary standouts. Kind of mad at you for shaving for liking a team such as philly like oh god i hate the phillies man the phillies are the worst like you you don't hate the braves do you no yeah we hate the phillies that's cool like we we can't stand the phillies but I, the reason why i brought that up is you shaved your mustache and it's supposed to be mustache week with Gardner Minshew at 5k what I know. happened
1: I looked in the mirror, dude. That's what happened. And I'm not going to lie. What's actually very funny when I did shave the mustache, which you weren't here for, um, my wife, I came out of the bathroom and she's like, hmm, you know, it actually doesn't look that bad. Oh, like, man. Okay. What a, con- what a compliment. Uh, but it was fun, man. We all got we all the mustaches up there in the wedding. So uh, it is gone. It will always be remembered for the month of September <laughs> for me. <laughs> but I am back to normal with my clean shave and I feel good about it. But yes, it's Gardner Minshew week, man. Uh, 5K taking on the Jags. It is a revenge game, which of course, you know, matters a lot. Um, But at 5k, DK certainly did us a favor with this. I mean, anyone that wants to pay up, I will never fault them. But I feel like this week, Gardner has shown us long enough that he's a competent NFL quarterback, probably the best backup in the league. And at 5k, it's kind of like the Aiden O'Connell thing, right? It's like, does he get you 15 points? And if so, that's probably good enough in cash.
0: Yeah, the Jaguars are 27th In defensive points allowed to or points allowed to the position, so it's a good matchup. They've been really good against the run this year. I think that's something that hasn't been talked about. So they're a pass funnel. I think you just play them, and that's that's what I think right now. Um, You could get cute. You can pay up some couple different spots if you want to go to Tua. I understand. Like it just makes a lot of sense. Like okay, just pay up for a team. But um, 5K is way too cheap for a guy that's been, I would say, better than serviceable right like Gardner can run a little bit um and you already talked about that's like one of your favorite game environments so Gardner at 5k is early in the week probably what a lot of people will be playing i'm guessing he's going to be 40 to 50% in double ups and then uh Matthew Stafford at home 6.1 i think is a step up if you wanted to go there against the cardinals he's throwing a lot you're getting nothing on the ground so that's the only reason i might say like if he was like 5800 or 5500 maybe but um Any other names you want to bring up?
1: No, I don't think so, man. I I mean, I'm pretty locked on on Gardner right now unless anything changes. Like I said, I think that's going to be the way the cash builds work. So in tournaments, if you want to start thinking about that early in the week, you know, we know that that's what the field's going to do. So the contrarian approach is going to be to spend up at quarterback and kind of drop down elsewhere. But I think for cash games, Gardner looks locked in right now.
0: I think it's hilarious when you think about your cash games and who you're riding with that week. And I kind of look back at my lineups through the first, you know, four or five weeks. I'm like, okay, this week, was Anthony Richardson. I rode with him. Aiden O'Connell, my dude this week. <laughs> this week's Gardner Week. Like it's it's kind of fun in DFS because I'm so used to who I have in my home leagues. Like I have Justin Herbert in my main two home leagues. It's been awesome. And in DFS, it's like, okay, this is my dude this week. I'm gonna go with him. So um Gardner Minshew, 5k, play him. At running back this week, the pricing is CMC and everybody else. I mean, it's a massive gap. He's at 9.4 on DraftKings. And then, obviously, you're not playing Devon Achan anymore because he's going to be out. So it's really like way down there in pricing if you wanted to go. I mean, Bijan's a little bit cheaper this week. I think a lot of people will say, hey, he failed me last week. I don't want to play him. But it feels like a lot of builds this week are going to be a couple of guys in the 6K range and then us figuring out if we want to play a Bears running back or a backup Cardinals running back, but um, Raheem Mostert six point four is that just like going to be locked in?
1: I think so. I mean, we'll see on Jeff Wilson, but you know there there's reports that they're going to open up his twenty one day practice window for this week, so there is a chance that he will play this week. But even you know a guy who hasn't played a, a single snap this year, does he really eat into Raheem Mostert's workload? Probably not. I think it would be Salvan Ahmed as the RB two this week. So most are probably getting, I mean, 13 to 15 carries as the absolute floor, I would think, in a positive game script, taking on the Panthers, who have given up the second most DK points per game so far this year. So at 6.4, I think he's a rock solid value. I'm with you, though, in that 6K range. There's a lot of really good plays. Um, I think Karen Williams, we can't keep talking about, is in play. Great matchup against the Cardinals. Um, DeAndre Swift continues to get a ton of work. For the Eagles, they are favored in this game against the Jets. He makes sense. Um, I know you've got some other guys, too. i let you kind of speak on Alvin Kamara, but I do agree. Like The 6K range feels like the sweet spot this week.
0: Yeah, Kamara is still too cheap on a full PPR side. He's 6.8 against the Texans, who historically have been a run funnel. They shut the Falcons down last week. But um, he's the only Saint that I'm really interested in. Um, his targets per route run bets through two games, 43%. That's wild. That's the Derek Carr effect, baby. That's what you want. So I like him. I think he's fine for the price. And then the Cardinals backup running back that you totally knew his name, Amari DiMarcado, or as we call him mostly, Mr. Avocado, is on the radar because James Conner is expected to miss multiple weeks with a knee injury. He might be on IR. DeMarcado was the guy last week who came in he ran around on 69% of dropbacks, which is fourth best among all running backs last week. So under 5K, the opportunity is there. I don't love being a heavy road underdog, but he's interesting. Um, and the Bears running backs, do we have an update on their situation? Because Roshan was knocked out of the game at 4.6. Deonta Foreman, my guy, uh, didn't even play last week, uh, 4.4. So any read on the Bears situation?
1: Yeah, Johnson's still in protocol, and over 80% of guys this season are missing one game when they're in protocol. Now there's a chance he could clear because that game is, remember, on a Thursday, so he's got a few extra days to clear ahead of next week's game. So TBD on him, but yeah, I think it would be the Donta Foreman uh, lead ball carrier role. He doesn't catch passes for the most part, so it's sort of meh, but he's 4.4, 4, so I get it. Um, they did sign Darrington Evans off of, I want, was it the Dolphins? practice squad or someone's practice squad recently to the active roster. So he'd be the other guy there. So like I get it. I think it's kind of a yucky gross play, <laughs> but I but I get it. Um real quick on De Mercado at 4.9, I want to just give a quick shout out to one of the Dynasty Pod nasty boys, count Ingram. Uh I will say he's missed last week with a neck injury. So like it could literally be De Mercado and someone else we've never even heard of it. And maybe you haven't even heard of Di Mercado, which is totally fine. But like, I don't know who the RB2 is even going to be. So if you're making me pick right now, one of these 4K backs, even with the negative game script, I think it would be Di Mercado.
0: Mr. Avocado. Love it. Um, Wide receiver. There are some values this week because Justin Jefferson's out. So the first thing is to say, am I going to play Jordan Addison? I'm going to play KJ Osborne at 4.4 but can I interest you, which is how we can start off this segment right here with wide receivers, but can I interest you in a stoneman, Brandon Powell for the Vikings? Do you have his
1: usage from last week?
0: Yeah. What if I told you, Betts, that he was targeted on six of his 17 routes once he came in the game? That's a 35% targets per route run. That was against Kansas City at 3K. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Um, I I I
1: don't know. I think he be in play he's, but he's in the he needs to be in the pool the, and what's crazy is like there's so much value on the slate already with Gardner at 5k there's some defenses we'll talk about that are cheap that we like um and then you've got you know like you said Pal. I'll let you talk about Trenton Irwin I think Trey Palmer if Mike Evans is out is in play at 3.9 Josh Downs is 4.1 we already talked about him so like there's a good chance you may not need to go that thin this week because there's so many good value options so keep him in your player pool we'll see as the week goes on.
0: Yeah, I think that's the temptation this week is to go, ooh, I can fit six different values. And it's like, well, you need to pay up somewhere, right? Like there's a reason these players have the salary they have. It's because they're kind of thin. Like Brandon Powell could goose. Trent Irwin could goose. Trent Irwin, by the way, for the Bengals, 3.3K. He had 10 targets this past week. Like he was seeing targets over Tyler Boyd. He went eight for 60. He ran 42 routes. I think that's a better game environment too. Like if I if I had to pick between the two, um, Trent Irwin makes a little bit more sense. But like he basically caught a quarter of his career receptions in this game, so it's hard to take an entire career. But those are the cheapies this week. Jamar Chase at eight point three. Do you just go right back to him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really don't think there's anything that you can say negatively about Chase, especially after he explodes for fifty five DraftKings points. Um, obviously his projection will remain incredible if T. Higgins is out. With the bye week looming, I feel like it's somewhat likely T. Higgins doesn't play, but monitor T. Higgins' situation because that is going to affect the Chase projection. But even if T. Higgins is in, I mean Jamar Chase in one of the better game environments on the slate, certainly I think makes sense.
0: I think Adam Thielen is just gonna be a player that people go back to. His price is now up to five point nine K. But We've seen him kind of eat up garbage time. His target share has been over 25% four straight games. So he makes sense. I will say DJ Chark ran more routes last week. He's an interesting pivot in tournaments. If you wanted to have a bring back from the Panther side and say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to play Thielen because I bet it'll be chalky. Chark's interesting at 4k. Um, you have on your Josh Downs, who I think is a solid play. If you wanted to, he's seen 25% of the targets. Uh, when Gardner Minshew's been in the game. So at 4.1, he's fine. And then you have the Jags wide receivers. Dude, I have no idea week to week who's going to be the target leader for that team.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, kind of frustrating if you're a Ridley manager, especially in like, season long, because in week one, we were on him and he smashed. And then he kind of went quiet for like three weeks in a row. But this is the same matchup where he smashed, right? Against right. the Colts. I mean, Dunder Hopkins had... An incredible performance last week against this cult secondary the cult secondary we pick on every single week so i think one of those guys is probably going to be in a lot of my lineups i don't know where i'm going to land yet but there has been some like the people that kind of look at the man versus zone stuff i think you can get in trouble with that some weeks but apparently the guys that chart that stuff kyle um, are telling me christian kirk has been much better against man ridley has smash against zone that was kind of the thesis for deandre hopkins last week he just crushes right. in zone can pile up receptions so both guys are awesome i think ridley is the pick for me if i had to choose one but i'm not sure where i'll land come friday
0: yeah just to speak on man versus zone which would be a great like title for a book
1: i need to write or a it. podcast
0: yeah man versus zone it can be noise when you realize that not many teams run man anymore so like it, it's It's one thing to say this player crushes against this coverage. And then it's another thing to say, does this team they're playing play that coverage very much? And then when you look at man, it's like, oh, this person has a, you know, crazy yards per out run against man. It's like, oh, they've seen six targets this year against man. So it's like, I I really, it's more of a point at the very end that I go, if I like this player, they have a good target share. Uh, If the game environment's good, that'll be the breaking point. Like at the very end where I go, okay, this is more of a Christian Kirk game, uh, which is what it was in week two. Uh, He was one of the pivots we gave, uh, and he saw 14 targets because of that. So keep that in mind. I do want to bring up a couple of tight ends because the slate doesn't have Mark Andrews, doesn't have Travis Kelsey. I'm, I like this matchup for TJ Hawkinson, but he's priced up at 6.6. So are we just going to punt again and just say, we'll play Zach Hurts? I hate playing Zach (laughs) Hurts.
1: it's so funny dude. I'm just like copy and pasting everything that I write in the DFS pass every week because it's like well there's Zach Ertz. you know he's he's in the mid 3ks or low 3ks and he's fine um but yeah man tight ends very gross this week I'm with you because of the lack of higher priced guys I think Hawkinson if you didn't consider salary is probably the best play on the slate but you know it is the Bears which is obviously incredible matchup but at 6.6 it's like man that's asking a lot of any tight end and Hawkinson's role is fine, but he's kind of running these like little curl routes, little drag routes. Like there's no explosiveness to his game, right? So I get it. Um, I'm kind of with you though on, on earths. Like he's totally fine in that value range. The Rams have given up a ton of production to tight ends. We just saw Dallas Goddard go off last week. So I think right now he's probably my favorite, but as you can tell with the tone of my voice, I don't necessarily love it.
0: Yeah. What I would do with Hawkinson is sort Uh, and put him in the lump of wide receivers, and then ask yourself, based on his target projection, like, you know, seven, eight targets per game, which is where he's at, is that as good as a wide receiver? Because he can be the wide receiver one on this team with Justin Jefferson out. So, you know, sort and say, okay, well, Calvin Ridley's 6.7. Would I rather have Calvin Ridley in my lineup at wide receiver, or TJ Hawkinson in my lineup at tight end? That's kind of the trade-off that you're giving. And on a slate where... We might be saving a lot. I just think he's interesting in a game that you said earlier you like. I think he could soak up targets. Like I everyone's gonna be going to the wide receivers. So for tournament purposes, I think he's a solid play on a slate without many good tight ends. Yeah, I
1: think that's a good way to put it too, especially like you said. If everyone flocks to Addison, KJ Osborne, he'd be a, a fun pivot.
0: Brandon Powell, even Stoneman, Brandon Powell.
1: We'll see, Kyle. We'll see
0: uh logan thomas plays football and gets targets somehow don't know why they like targeting him over dotson who knows at defense there's actually some good punt options this week like if you wanted to play new england who just got destroyed and just say hey you know what i know that bill belichick is maybe off his rocker i also know he's a better coach than josh mcdaniels and that's who he plays this week his former protege so at 2.6 you can play the patriots I don't mind in the Detroit or Tampa Bay game, play either of those defenses. Detroit, it's been good, 2.7 on the road. Or if you want to go all the way down to Tampa Bay at 2.3, I don't mind that either in cash.
1: Yeah, as always, we're trying to save some money. If you do have money to get up to the Eagles, I mean, that's a pretty decent mismatch. I would think their D-line versus the Jets' offensive line, plus Zach Wilson. So at 2.8, they are definitely in play. But I'm with you. I think right now, if I was just picking, you know, considering salary, the Patriots coming off of an embarrassing loss, taking on not only the former coach that they know, but also Jimmy Garoppolo, who they know very well. I think it could be a really uh, down week for the Raiders, especially the short week with the Monday night game. So I think the Patriots are fine at 2.6.
0: If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. It will direct you to our DraftKings League Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg plus bets, you can join the league, enter a contest. We'll have contests for this Thursday night. Uh, Broncos against Chiefs. be a great, great grand time. I've seen some listeners say, hey, I've won some cashes here for the very first time playing against people that I see all the time against you guys, taking our money. Whatever it is, you can do that. So go to ballersdfs.com to play with us. And bets, sign us off.
1: Dude, it is great to be back. Back from the beach, back from the wedding. We're locked in. We're focused this week so it'll be good um hey go phils i'll see you guys on friday when kyle is hopefully very sad for the outcomes that happened this week we'll catch you on friday have an awesome week! thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs and betting podcast don't forget to
0: visit us on the web at the fantasyfootballers.com.